My name is David, as Mike said, um, but we are continuing it's something of the Easter story, journeying through Easter. Um, I wonder if your Easter's finished, whether it feels long gone, whether you're still enjoying some time off, whether you're still persevering through having kids around. I don't know what that looks like, but I hope you've, got, uh, uh, you've had some space, some breathing space. And I hope that you're still reveling in resurrection life. Uh, that's, that's the story for every Sunday, indeed every day for us as those who believe in Jesus and have accepted his life in ours, um, which is fun, which is fun. A special day to be sending Heli off. Um, we'll be sorry to see her go, but there's something exciting about seeing someone walk into uh, what, they, what God's called them to uh, and being courageous and bold enough to leave a family that's safe to do some to do what God has called them to. And I wonder what that looks like in your different contexts, what, it, what the words would be for, for you if we had you up uh, in front here celebrating the stuff that God's called you to. I wonder if you're being bold. Uh, I hope by the end of the next three and a half hours, you'll be even bolder. <laughs> if you are visiting and unaware of what this time normally is, it should be 25 minutes. And if it goes longer than that, you can start booing. Um, but it's so good to open God's Word. We love God's Word and we love how it shapes us as a community. Uh, and I think we're going to be encouraged. Does that sound good? Well, it's a crazy world, isn't it? It's a crazy world we live in. I don't know if um, fake news has just become something that we just band about a, l- a little bit, but um, uh, you won't be surprised that actually 2,000 years ago there was all sorts of reports going on after the resurrection of Jesus and this empty tomb that, that created all sorts of stirs. What happened to Jesus? The religious leaders have been trying to get rid of him for a long time. Uh, the Romans were, fi- were finding him a, a nuisance to some extent because of that. Um, and suddenly we, we see him crucified and then there's an empty tomb. His body's gone. And there's all sorts of reports uh, and there's all sorts of confusion. Um, it feels like we're, we're having all sorts of reports and all sorts of confusion. If You don't have to look very far at the moment in our present day to find confusion, whether it's Cambridge Analytica, whether it's all sorts of... What's happening with our data? How, how, is, how is the public opinion being represented amongst, uh, amongst us? And how are big decisions like Brexit or Trump being influenced by what appears to be public opinion but might actually just be really clever people using data in the wrong way? I'm not going to go any further with that because we could get tied up. But it's interesting what a cynical atmosphere that can create for us when there's all sorts of stuff that we don't know whether it's true or not. We don't know who to believe and we can easily get cynical. Uh, I had a cynical moment, I have to be honest, um, a couple of weeks ago on a Saturday I got a wonderful text from a friend of mine in the morning saying, hey, I don't know if you've heard, but Carluccio's are offering free breakfasts for anyone who turns up before 11 in their dressing gown or pajamas. And I'm thinking, a free Carluccio's, that is pretty exciting. Uh, I don't get a chance to go to Carluccio's much, sorry if you've never been, but they do a good breakfast. And I am getting paid to say that, no, it's not true. Um, They do a wonderful breakfast, and I'm thinking, why would they do it for free? I mean, I trust this person who sent me this message, but this sounds sounds dodgy, I I don't know. Anyway, later I got a picture of them in their uh, dressing gowns in Carluccio, I was enjoying free breakfast, and suddenly I was like, hang on a minute. I, I, uh, well, the story goes, I did actually end up down there, uh, and they gave me their dressing gown so I could have a free breakfast. I mean, what a gospel message right there. Not only, not only did they tell me the good news, they also make a way for me to receive the good news. Come on. 
That'll do, won't it? That'll do. <laughs> Thank you, Tim. It was Tim, just to let you know. I wasn't going to mention his name because you all will be thinking, why didn't he text me? But now I've got him into trouble. So. <laughs> good news is worth sharing. But sometimes it might feel like it's too good to be true. And perhaps that was the case for the person that we're going to be looking at uh, today in John 20. Um, if you want to turn there in your Bibles, if you want to flick your Bibles on. I, I'm just, I'm an encourager. If you've got Bibles, bring them along with you. It's not the same as turning your phone on. I'm going to be old school about this. It's just something about seeing it on the page. Seeing it on the page and getting to know your Bible. Um, we're going to turn to, yeah, John 20. It'll be on the screen in a minute. But we're in, we're in the aftermath of Jesus' death. And some of Jesus' followers who've literally shaped their whole lives around this person of Jesus and his teaching and his miracles, they've been walking with him for three years in very intimate and close relationships, and they've begun to build their life around him. And then suddenly, or maybe not so suddenly, suddenly he's, he dies. And it feels like a really dark place and a difficult moment. Suddenly, their whole future, their whole life, is, is up in the air, it would, it would appear. An empty tomb causes such a stir. But let's read from John 20 and what happens. Thanks, Dav. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and sighed. The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Jesus is sending them. There's something about connecting with God in the being sent, in actually recognizing God in order to be sent. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, that's such a cute name, isn't it? Uh, one of the 12 was not with the disciples when Jesus came. Now, I wonder why he was not with the disciples. Perhaps already there's such despair going on around it that he stopped meeting in their usual way, in the usual place. And I wonder whether we could reflect on that in our own lives. We stop doing something because something really difficult happens. Maybe there's people who aren't here today because stuff has got really hard. So meeting in the same way, in the same old ways, in the same patterns feels difficult. But Thomas wasn't there. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord share something of the good news. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So maybe he's taken some courage from this good news uh, from the, the people around him. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, what is a, a, quite a powerful statement, my Lord and my God, he owns faith. Rather than saying the Messiah, he's saying my Lord, 
my God. There's a personal connection. Then Jesus told him, because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. There's a lot of people this morning who are blessed. Amen? Amen. We haven't necessarily seen him with our eyes, but we believed. Belief is a powerful thing, and Jesus calls us blessed. And there's something of this, uh, this chapter that ends with a, a real priority of, of belief. Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his, his disciples, which are not recorded in this book. But these are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By believing you may have life in his name. I want to kind of address those areas in our lives at the moment where we've perhaps stopped believing and we've lost something of life. Jesus, Jesus John, who writes this um, story, who, who, who records the events of Jesus' life, focuses at the end of this, uh, of this book with the priority around believing. There's another chapter, but he focuses on, on this as a, as a priority around believing. It's interesting, Thomas, if I can just paint a picture, Thomas was the kind of person who wanted a plan. I wonder if there's anyone else here who would re- resonate with Thomas. He wasn't the kind of guy who could just show up and see how it goes. He wanted to know what was going on. He wanted to know the plan. Uh, and he was pretty determined. He was pretty willing. At one point when Jesus says they're going to go into a dangerous place, Thomas is like, well, let, let, let's all go and we can all die together. He's like, he's like fine, if that's, the, if that's the right thing to do, we'll go for it. He's kind of an all-in guy, but he wants a plan. Later on, Jesus says, you know, he talks about his father's house. And you, he says, you know the way. And Thomas is like, no, no, tell us the way. Just give us the directions. Tell us how to get to this amazing place that you're talking about, Jesus. And Jesus says, no, no, I am the way. You know the way. It's me. I am the way. Following me is the way. He wants a plan. He wants to know what's going on. And yet he's hit this difficult spot in his journey where the way has died. Jesus had died. And then these reports that he's been resurrected seem hard to believe. And maybe they're hard to believe because he's an all-in kind of person. Maybe they're hard to believe because it matters. And I think it does matter what we believe of this person who we call Jesus, what we believe, the person who we want to build our lives around, I think it matters what we believe of him. And I want to suggest that dormant doubt destroys desire. It's clever, isn't it? All Ds. Wonderful. Dormant doubt destroys desire. There's something about unaddressed doubt, unaddressed questions that rob us of desire, rob us of this, well, if I'm going to be all in and there's some question marks here, I, I, don't, I don't know, I'm not so sure. Unless, unless I see it, unless I touch, unless I actually touch the holes in his hand, I'm not going to believe. The reality is when Jesus turns up in the room, he doesn't need to do any of that. He doesn't touch his side, he, doesn't, he, he just meets with the person of Jesus. But I wonder, I wonder what circumstances uh, are making life hard, Jesus hard for you to believe at the moment. I wonder what stuff has got in the way for you. I wonder what would be those areas where you've got dormant doubt, stuff that's happened in your life, stuff that was disappointed, areas where you thought God was going to break through and he didn't. It's really painful and really difficult. And I I know there's a bunch of people in this room who are worshipping and fighting and pushing forward for God, even though 
stuff hasn't happened. It's in the meantime faith. We haven't got to the end of the story, but in the meantime, there's a demand on us to believe in who God is. And there's something in this story that will help us, I think, because we get these tunnel moments. I don't know if you're ever on the phone to someone who's um, commuting in or out of London or somewhere else like that, and you, it, it, it feels like it's clear and you've got this connection, and suddenly there's a tunnel moment. Suddenly it breaks up and there's not the same... You're not sure what they're saying because they're having a tunnel moment. There's something going on, something that they're going through that is stopping the connection. And we have that in our lives as Christians. If you haven't yet had that, they will happen because there will be times when your plan doesn't match God's plan or when God's breakthrough doesn't happen for, for loads of different reasons. And that's so painful. It is so painful when, when what we expected God to do, what we believed he could do, he doesn't do. And Thomas had been in that moment. He'd been in that place where he'd thought he knew the way and then the way died. And he's left a bit bewildered. But what I love about our questions and our challenges and the things that we struggle with is that Jesus is okay. Jesus is okay with your doubt. He's okay with your questions. And he's okay with the things that you find really difficult. I wonder if you are unlike Thomas, and, and you, you don't have much understanding of who Jesus is. Thomas had been walking with him for three years. Maybe you're new to faith. Maybe you just came along this morning because someone invited you and this whole Jesus thing feels very weird. Maybe it feels weird and now you've come. I wonder whether there's more questions for you to have, more to find out about him. Mike's already mentioned the Alpha course. You might just want to talk to someone uh, who's brought you or someone who you know has faith. That was one of the things that impacts Thomas is the people around him who had seen. So if you're on a, at the early stages of your faith journey, maybe you need to know more about Jesus. It's not a big block in the way. It's just that you need to know more. You need to read one of the Gospels. But maybe you are like Thomas, and you have experienced a lot with him. You've seen miracles. You know he's the God who moves and, and who heals and who shapes things. And so you build up some level of expectation about what would happen. And then you hit a tunnel moment. And it got painful. You were waiting for God's victory, believing in God's ability, and he didn't. <coughs> Sometimes we know because we've seen God do stuff, and it's harder when we then don't see him do it. The kind of things that we were hoping he would do. But Jesus responds. That's my encouragement this morning. Jesus responds. I love it. He's not outside the room saying, I'm not coming in until he says he believes. Has he said it yet? Right, I'm not moving. I'm not moving until he says it. He doesn't. He doesn't. He comes right in and he addresses that doubt. There's not much more of a conversation. I wonder if there was, but this is, he, he comes in and he says, Thomas, go on. Do the thing that you wanted to do. Here's some proof. Here's some of the evidence. Encounter me. Stop doubting and believe and he comes in and so my my encouragement this morning or one of them is is that where you've got desires that might feel dormant invite God in again invite God in again say to people around you who have seen him recently talk to people around you who have seen the miraculous or who aren't in a tunnel moment find encouragement find belief find faith in that and worship your hearts out as a sacrifice, not because you're seeing God at the moment, but because you know God 
and you've got a whole history. Thomas had three years, and then the rest of, of God's moving way beyond that. Jesus responds. So talk to God and talk to God's people. Why is this so important? Why is this so important? Dormant doubt destroys desires. And I, I want to look at three, three areas. Um, first, dormant doubt destroys desire for connection. It destroys our desire to connect. When you become, I, I don't know if you've ever had an awkward relationship. Maybe it's just me. Awkward friendships or, or, or awkward relationships in, a, in an office environment, a work environment, where you study, where you hang out most of the time, where, where th- something was normal and then someone did something to upset you or something just wasn't right. And suddenly there's an atmosphere. There's an atmosphere when you walk into and it's kind of like the photocopy is there. I'm going to go all the way around to try and get to it because I just want to avoid eye contact. Or you see that person that you've had an argument with in Sainsbury's and you just, you, you just have to kind of go down, a, you end up down the pet aisle and you don't even have any pets. It's just, it's got awkward and you're trying to avoid stuff. You're avoiding, quest, you're avoiding contact because it will be difficult. And perhaps that's your story at the moment to some extent with God and with hope. Maybe you're turning up Sunday mornings, maybe you're engaged to some extent, but you're not all in like you used to be. And you're not flying to where God's called you because you're struggling to connect with a God who's disappointed you or let you down. Dormant doubt destroys a desire to connect. But it also destroys a desire to continue. It destroys our desire to continue. I don't know if you've ever done a diet. I'm not suggesting any of you need to. I'm just saying sometimes if you're on a diet, you've read how to do the plan, you get three days in and you're like, I don't think this is doing anything. This is not making a difference. I doubt this plan. So suddenly, all those veg and stuff that you're supposed to be eating, you're not not willing to fight for it as much as you were because you started to doubt. I don't think this is really working. I don't think it's going to happen. Your desire to continue stops, is, is robbed because you're not sure it's going to work. I wonder if you have just lost your confidence in the thing that God's called you to because of your relationship with God, because of stuff that's not happening. That's why doubt can rob so much of all the different things that you're called to be courageous in. Doubt has been the enemy's tactic from day one. Did God really say? Did God really say? Did God really say? Yes, he did. He's called you. He's called you to to be in that environment, in that atmosphere, with your family, on your front lines, wherever it is. He's called you. And we could be robbed of continuing because of doubt. It says in Galatians 5 and verse 7, You were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? That kind of persuasion does not come from the one who calls you. Who cut in you? You were running a good race. What happened? Or you've got some unaddressed doubt. You've got some cracks. And God is okay with those cracks. Invite him in. Don't stop meeting. Don't stop pushing. Be around people who've got some stories that will build faith in you. So it can rob us of a desire for connection. It can rob us of a desire to continue. And it can rob us of a desire to communicate. Dormant doubts destroys desire to communicate. And by that I mean to communicate your faith to the people around you. 
I wouldn't have been much of a good salesperson for that Carluccio stuff if I hadn't believed. There'd be no point sending a little message around because I'd be like, I don't actually think it counts. I don't think it's really true. It was only afterwards, after I'd enjoyed a really nice breakfast, that I thought about sending some pictures to all my little WhatsApp groups to say, this was such a nice breakfast. You should have been there before 11. It's no use afterwards. It's no use afterwards. And you've got a message, by the way, that's no use once you get to heaven. I mean, you'll, just, you'll be enjoying it. But your message, your good news, is of use now, before we get to 11 o'clock and they stop serving breakfast, hypothetically speaking. Did that communicate? Maybe I'll just be a bit more implicit. There's a story that we can tell of a God that we love, a God that we serve, but not a God who serves us. Sometimes, actually, our witness is, I love a God who didn't make it work out the way I wanted it to. And we can sometimes think that we have to stop communicating about our faith when our lives aren't going amazing and aren't flying. But there's something of doubts that can disconnect us from the priority of speaking truth and sharing the good news of who Jesus is, because we get worried. It happened to Peter when Jesus had been arrested. Jesus, Peter had been the one who said, you're the Messiah, you're the Christ. I see this. He was so bold. He was so confident. Jesus gets arrested, and then a girl, a Gentile girl goes, aren't you a follower of Jesus? He goes, no, 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 I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. This little person comes along, tests his faith, and he crumbles because doubt comes in. And so it robs us of our confidence in communicating the gospel. So I hope you've resolved to take your doubts to Jesus afresh this morning because otherwise our connection what we've been called to continue and what we've been called to communicate will be robbed I just want to um, am I close to 25 minutes yet? I think I've still got time I think we're still alright I, I just want to share briefly um, from an Old Testament passage Joshua 8 that I feel that God's put on my heart it's interesting that Heli's talking about battling and, and I feel like we're at a stage in our life as a, as a church family and maybe this will resonate for you personally if you're visiting us thank you so much for joining us but there's something of our story as a church where we're looking to new visions new opportunities new movement and yet we've got some history and Joshua 8 finds us with God's people who've got history and if you don't know the story, they're called to inherit There's promises of God, this particular land, but there's a battle for it. And I believe that we as a church are called to inherit, but there's a battle. And Joshua 8, we find God's people in this particularly sore moment. They'd had Jericho moments where they'd marched around Jericho and God won the war for them. They just worshipped and the battle was, was won. And, they worshiped, and it was tremendous. And then they stuff up and sin gets in the camp and they, they fluff it and they go out for their next adventure to battle against AI and they're super confident so they only send a few people and 36 or something of them die. They're just routed. And the Bible says that their hearts melted. They lost all courage. They lost all courage. They were having perhaps a tunnel moment, or they lost something. They thought God was going to deliver them into this land, and then suddenly they're defeated, and word's going to spread that Israel isn't much to contend against. And so we, we pick up Joshua 8. I don't have it on the screen, but 
The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid or discouraged. Take all your fighting men and attack Ai, for I have given you the king of Ai, his people, his town, and his land. You will destroy them as you destroyed Jericho and its king. But this time you may keep the plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the town. We haven't got time to go into the detail of it, but I would encourage you as, as part of our family to read Joshua 8 and find courage. Because we've had defeats in our recent history as a church. But God says, remember Jericho. God says to us this morning, remember Jericho. Remember that time? We marched around seven times and there was the power and presence of God in such an amazing way that victory happened before we even lifted a sword. Do you remember that time in Trinity's history? Do you remember? Do you remember? Remember Jericho. Remember Jericho. Because there's more conflicts, there's more battles, there's more to contend for and fight for. And if our only focus is on the recent, we might struggle to find courage. We might struggle to find hope. And we might, be, we might lose something of our desire to move forward. And we don't want to do that, do we, church? Remember Jericho. And be bold again, be courageous again as we head for the next battle. Amen. Amen. Should we stand if you're able to? Again, thank you so much for those of you who've uh, joined us for the first time. You might be unfamiliar with how we do things here at Trinity, but we believe in the power of God, His Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. And we want to make space for that. Because this message might apply in 101 different situations, maybe 400 different situations, and we want to allow space for the Holy Spirit to do that. In a moment, I'm going to invite some people to come down to the front because we want to see people empowered by the power of the Holy Spirit to go and do courageous stuff. Because it's not just Heli who's got a Bristol to go to. Do you know what I mean? There's 400 of us, 500 and more, who've got stuff that God has called us to and we, and we want his courage. And so for some of us this morning, that will feel like a painful thing to come forward again and go, okay, well at the moment I'm not seeing the breakthrough. At the moment I'm not seeing the victories and it feels like tunnel time again. But I just want to be surrounded by people who are going to declare the truth of who God is around me and worship. That is the richness of what we've already done. We already won before I even got up to speak because of this amazing music team who've led us in worship. We've worshipped through the pain. So well done. Well done. Some of you have been doing that faithfully for donkey's years, but specifically in the last two years. Worshipping through the pain, worshipping and keeping our focus on God because he is the one who transforms everything. When Jesus walks into the room, our doubts dissipate. Our doubts dissipate. So I'm just going to um, invite us to hold out your hand if you, if, 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 if you want to. Something of a position of receiving and expectation. The Bible talks about the Holy Spirit as a gift. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you. And God, before we go into specifics for specific people and specific invitations, we want to ask that you administer to us as a body 
we want to ask that you would help us in this moment to remember Jericho. Church, we're not going to rush this bit. We've got, we've got time. Some of you have been here two years, five years, ten years. For those of you who've seen some of the Jerichos in this church's history, just asking that God would stir up faith again. Come, Jesus. sense God's going to begin to move on people in power. Just be expectant. Jesus, come and move in your power. You say yes to what you want to do. Praying God for a weighty peace. A peace like we haven't known that comes from you, from you being at the center. be afraid or discouraged take all your fighting men and attack for I have given you the king of Ai his people his town and his land you will destroy them thank you God some of you your response this morning will will look like actually just agreeing to have some conversations today with people of faith who you know are going to stir something in you I sense there's some people who've been coming along to this particular church or maybe other churches for a long time and actually you've got doubts and questions and concerns and they are stopping your ability to communicate God's word I think some of us need to go on Alpha. You might think that's a strange thing because you believe in Jesus, but actually there's something of hearing our faith explained and explored that will re-energize you. So can I encourage you, if you're a Christian and you want to find renewed confidence about communicating your faith, sign up for Alpha. Do it this summer, 10th of March. just want to encourage you to, to come forward if, if there's anything that's, that's been stirred in you this morning, that there's any, any deterioration of desire anywhere where you feel you've got dormant doubts and you want your desire to be renewed, whether it's blocking connection with God, whether it's stopping you continuing in your call or whether it's affecting the way that you communicate the gospel, 
Why don't you just begin to come forward and receive courage as we lay hands on some people and pray. Thank you, God. Just come right forward. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. There was a, um, a, a dream shared with me at the, at the start of the celebration around a lamb. Uh, it was, sorry, it's not a dream. It's something that happened yesterday with one of our uh, congregations. They, there was a report of this lamb that had got stuck in a fence and it was, there was no mother around and it was, it was stuck. And they, they called someone who knew about this, was able to, to get this lamb and find it uh, another mother. And, and so if there's any element for you where you feel stuck or you feel abandoned, you feel like a, a lamb who was stuck, you haven't even got on your feet yet and you feel left and alone, I sense that God wants to minister to people in that situation. Could we have um, just some people just to come and, and, and just begin to pray? Thank you for those who are already doing it, but we, it, it would be great to get some people to lay hands on and just begin to declare courage. Just begin to minister into you places of tunnel times, cracks and doubts.